together to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And then also get your finger over in chapter 3. And we're going to try to move through this message. I see the time is racing me, but I'm going to try to do it right. Ephesians 1, we're going to pick up at verse 15, down to the end of that chapter, and then we'll drop over to chapter 3, verse 7. And my message is entitled, Triumphant Prayer, Triumphant Prayer. Beginning to read at verse 15. Therefore, I also, after heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his power, mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Drop now over to verse 7 of chapter 3. Of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning which from the beginning of, all of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Christ Jesus. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places, according to the purpose, the eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him, Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart in my tribulations for you, which is for your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly of all, of all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, and let's all say together, Amen. I opened with a short story of what happened in a small Kentucky town some years ago. In this town, there were two churches and a large whiskey distillery. 
The members of both churches felt that this distillery gave the community a bad image. And then to top it off, the owner of the distillery was an atheist. The Christians tried and tried through civic means to shut the distillery down, but were unsuccessful in doing so. Finally, someone came up with the idea, let's join forces as two churches, and they called for a night of prayer. They decided to gather together on a Saturday night to hold this joint prayer meeting. And so Saturday came, and the Christians came together, and they began to pray that God would somehow close this distillery. All through the evening as they were praying, a storm began to come, and it got quite heavy, a terrible thunderstorm. And to the church members' delight, lightning struck that old distillery and burned it to the ground. The next morning, both churches heard messages on the power of prayer. Well, the fire insurance adjuster promptly notified the owner of the distillery there would be no coverage on the damages caused by the fire because they considered it an act of God. On hearing this, the owner of the distillery sued all the church members, claiming they had conspired with God to destroy his business. At this point, the defendants denied vehemently they had done anything to cause the fire. Well, the judge rarely observed as he read the case that he found it very perplexing. He went on to explain that the situation here, he just could not quite understand. On one hand, here's the plaintiff, an atheist who doesn't believe in God, and yet he professed his belief in the power of prayer. On the other side are the Christians who deny they had anything to do with the situation and so doing deny the power of prayer. Today I ask each one of us the question, do you believe in the power of prayer? I wanted an answer. (laughs) At times I, I have to confess it seems like a paradox to me that People who say, yes, I believe in prayer. And so we go to prayer, and they're surprised when God moves. And then there are those who want you to believe they do not need God or your prayers. But when they get in trouble, who do they come to first asking for help and to pray for them? Well, I praise God that I believe we here at Mount Pleasant believe in the power of prayer. Amen? Yes, and we trust God for the results. And so the bottom line for prayer is that we would expect God to move. I didn't say the way we always want him to move, but we pray we expect God to move and desire to see results. And so we want to know how to pray uh, for needs effectively. James 5, verse 16, the latter part of that verse says, the effectual Fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The NIV puts it this way. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Alan, that's your translation there, by the way. The Apostle Paul's prayers should be a model for all of us in our praying. Three things about him. He was a man of prayer. We know that. He planted many churches. He had a lot of people on his prayer list. 
This morning, let's notice together how he prayed for others in his letter here to the Ephesians. The occasion of prayer. Notice several things about their faith, starting there at verse 15 in chapter 1. Therefore, I also, after heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Now, we're going to pick up verse 16 in a moment. But let's look here at verse 15 and see the reasoning and the, how he's prompting for prayer. First, their faith was authentic. It was real. The dictionary tells me that if something is authentic, it has an origin that is supported by unquestionable evidence. I like that. That should be our faith, friends. Their faith wasn't based on hearsay, superstition, or, or legend but it was based on the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Secondly, it was active in helping others. We, we look to John 13, 35. He says, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have... How important that is. Having love one for another. The greatest of all works is how we show our love. To each other. Thirdly, the Ephesians' faith was demonstrated by their love to all saints. Their faith and their love spread out and touched the church. The apostles saw this. He prayed for them regularly. Moving on then, secondly, the manner of prayer. Now look at verse 16. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. He was constantly praying for them. And he didn't stop there. He gave thanks for them. His prayer began with thanksgiving, which is a proper atmosphere as we come before the Lord in prayer. I like Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. I believe the Apostle Paul was looking for virtue he was looking for the good in their lives, and he was thanking God for it. I'm sure we all admit that we live in a pretty negative culture, society, but it, it seems like it, it comes in upon us before we're, we realize it, and it's so much quicker for us to pick out flaws in other people before we notice their strengths. Beware of the tendency to be a perfectionist that magnifies inadequacies in others. Rather, how about it, let's be thankful and let's pick out strengths that we see in those around us, those positive qualities. Because everybody has them, right? Let's look for them. Paul, again, in his great example, is a great example for us here. Then thirdly, the context of prayer. We look there for, in chapter 1 again, verses 17 and 18. Paul asked God to give to these people the spirit of wisdom and revelation, have their eyes enlightened to the glorious hope and eternal inheritance that would be theirs. He actually just makes two basic petitions for the believers, but it covers so much of, of their needs that they may have had. He prays for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And that comes to every one of us through the blessed Holy Spirit. He's the one that 
so freely will give as we ask. And so, friends, as we read our Bibles, we need to have wisdom and understanding. And when you pray, ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten you, because he's the author, to bring truths to your heart that we can apply it to our understanding and living. And yes, that God would reveal his will and his pleasure and give us boldness in our praying. Now, I, I ran across something in the life of Martin Luther. I shared it with my wife, and she just wasn't sure I should even use this. So I'm going to let all of you be the judge, if I was right or wrong, because I decided to use it. But listen to Martin Luther. What In 1540, he had a great friend and assistant, Frederick Maconis, M-Y-C-O-N-I-U-S, who became very sick. So sick that he was expected not to live long. On his bed, he wrote a loving farewell note to his friend Luther with a trembling hand. Luther received the letter and instantly replied, I command thee in the name of God to live, because I still have need of thee in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that thou art dead, but will permit thee to survive me. For this I am praying, this is my will, and my will be done, because I seek only to glorify the name of God. Wow. I know, uh, Brother Newby, I don't think I ever prayed quite that strong. <laughs> but uh, it does shock us a bit. But they were born of revelation and the will of God, his words. Instant, interestingly, when Luther's letter arrived at Frederick's bedside, he was that far gone, he wasn't even speaking anymore. Couldn't talk. But, they say, in a short time, he revived and completely recovered and would go on to live for six more years, and he died two months after Luther died. I guess it's all right I shared that, honey. Notice verse 18. Paul prays that we might be enlightened concerning our hope. What, is, what hope is he speaking of here, by the way? It's that great hope of every believer of Christ coming back, of his appearing. Chris just shared with me this morning something he had run across, and I'm seeing it, and I think if we have our eyes open, we should realize we are living in the last days, folks. This is not a time to go to sleep, church. But let's be on our knees praying one for another, praying for miracles to happen. Jesus is coming back. We don't know when. But our world needs prayer. Titus 2, verse 13 says, Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Paul is also speaking about the hope of his calling. It's a hope that is inspired by a personal call of God. We believers have a confident expectation of eternal blessings that are coming. I mean, I love living for Christ now, don't you? He's so good. But we have greater blessings than we can even imagine are still coming. It's a win-win for the church. 
So don't get discouraged. Don't let the devil put us down. Don't let our culture put us down. We're going to win one of these days, and we're going to win big. Jesus is coming back, and we're going to go as a group of believers. I hope the ride, I'm close to some of you, we can shout our way all the way to glory. All right. Um, Sorry, honey. She said stick to my notes. That wasn't really on my notes. But uh, I even lost where I was. Well, my heart's cry is that many more will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus and have their eyes wide open. Verses 19 through 23, Paul speaks of that greatness of power. This is that resurrection power that burst Christ from the tomb, and it's going to be what takes us straight to glory. Hallelujah. It puts all things under Christ's feet and places his head over the church that all things are in submission to him. This is his church, folks. We're all his servants, but he's in charge of the church. One cannot properly conclude this prayer without looking ahead to the fulfillment that Paul desires for the Ephesians because of this prayer. There, verses 17 through 20 in chapter 3, Paul expresses again his desire for them that Christ may dwell in your heart's truth faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ who passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Oh, the dimension of his incomparable love. One author said, width is broader than the heavens with his subtilions of stars, The length is longer than the minutes of eternity's day. The depth is deeper than the deepest chasm in the mightiest Atlantic Ocean. The height is higher than the farthest star reaching even to the throne of God. How can you describe the love of God? We can't. I don't think we can. I love that song, The Love of God, as that author tried his best, but... Praise God for his love and that unbounding or boundless power. Following the closing song and prayer this morning, I'm going to give to us the benediction which is there in verse 20. So I ask Jay to come forward at this time and we'll be concluding our service.